0: Hey there, you've turned into Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen podcast. Every day at the California Cattlemen's Association, we're sorting through the issues impacting you, California's ranching families and producers. I'm your host and CCA's Director of Communications, Katie Roberti, and this podcast is to discuss those issues, talk about solutions, and keep ranchers and the ranching community current on what's happening in Sacramento and beyond. Tune in every other Monday for a brand new episode, and I hope you enjoy this brand new episode that's about to begin right now. Welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and hopefully, you're not too tired about talking about food. If you're not, good news. We aren't going to talk about turkey today on this episode, we're actually talking about how the California Beef Council impacts school nutrition in California and how they're keeping beef on school lunch menus. So to have that conversation with me, we have registered dietitian and California Beef Council's Director of Food and Nutrition Outreach, Corey Dover, joining us on the episode today. Corey, thanks for making time for this and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. I feel like we talked about it for quite some time, but our schedules didn't align. Both busy people in the beef industry. Yeah, so I'm glad we're finally making it happen. Hopefully many of you have met Corey. We are just chatting about how crazy it is. She's been at Beef Council four years now. So Hopefully many of you listening have got to meet her at meetings or out and about, or you've maybe worked with her more one-on-one. For those who haven't, let's hear a little bit about yourself, Corey, what you're doing with the Beef Council and Kind of how you got to the Beef Council.
1: I am a registered dietitian. I always say registered dietitian, mom, um, avid taco lover, um, and a culinary, you know, dabbler, as I like to say. I've been with the Beef Council just under four years, so um, time flies. I was hired back uh, right when the pandemic kind of started. I've been around. I've seen a lot of different things. Uh, I worked before I was here in California. I was out in Colorado. I did some contract work for the Colorado Beef Council. Um, And inevitably, when I came out here, uh, this position opened up and it was kind of just perfect fit. Uh, Right time, they happened to have a position. And the rest is kind of history. And now I get to do what I love, which is nutrition, um, education and communications around that and work on behalf of beef farmers and ranchers here in California. It's pretty awesome.
0: As I did highlight in the intro, um, I want to focus today's discussion on the work you're doing on school nutrition. I know there's other things that you and Beef Council are doing, but from attending and exhibiting at conferences, to webinars on how commodity boards support school nutrition programs, to creating buying guides for schools, recipes for kids, and more, you stay pretty busy, as we mentioned, and I know you're coming off an especially busy season attending and exhibiting at conferences including the California School Nutrition Association conference Since that's pretty fresh, let's start there. maybe you can walk us through what those conferences look like for you and what the goal for you and the beef council by participating in conferences like that is.
1: That's a really good question. Um, I am I'm just coming down off of uh, what we call as fall conference season. So October is just kind of loaded with back-to-back conferences, uh, really focusing on nutrition. And so I go from each of those conferences, really kind of highlighting the different things we have here, really translating what I like to call the science behind nutrition and beef. I get to go and do that at conferences. And the School Nutrition Association Conference here in California is one of the biggest School Nutrition Association conferences. And I think it's my biggest conference uh, every October. Uh, we This year was over... 1300 people that showed up in attendance uh, to get education. And so our goal there is to, you know, get them familiar with who we are and what we do and highlight some of those resources that we provide to them and that we create to help uh, supplement and support their programming that they have in uh, the schools. Some of that, like you said, is a buying guide to kind of help them with some of that. Some of it is some recipe development. And so we're kind of interacting with them, doing these relationship things on the expo floor, providing education in their education sessions. So we sponsor those and have someone come in and speak and talk about various things in that space. So whether that's kind of menu development, leadership, how beef kind of fits into that, that that's what we do. The various educational touch points are really big in conference season, especially in school nutrition. An association, and then expoing and building those relationships and getting to know the different schools that are across California and their varying needs. So a lot of it is, is kind of a strategic of talking to them, getting to know them, um, highlighting some of the things that we have, hearing what's going on in their world and how can we help, and then highlighting the different education we have going.
0: So when you attend those, are there other commodity boards there exhibiting? What are the other types of groups exhibiting at those conferences?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. There are various people and programs there. So you've got different commodity boards there. I think the other really common one that people would be familiar with, like a school nutrition space, would be the Dairy Council. They're there with their educational initiatives too, a lot like us. Sure. Uh, you have the Northwest Can Pear Association, they're another commodity board there, just all kinds of different commodity boards. It kind of depends on if they're in that school nutrition space or if they're in that nutrition space alone. But then you also have varying brands. They're expoing for products that they put into schools. Some of those common ones that people are familiar with, right? Like what is on that lunch plate? Stop dropping a bunch of brand names in there, but just think about the different things that you remember seeing in schools. Those people are also going to be a part of that. Some, you know, drinks, some snacks, some other sources that they buy to kind of help that building a menu and, and selling things to kids.
0: And then as far as who's actually attending are those school cafeteria managers or buyers for school districts?
1: Mix. Yeah yeah it's a combination of all kinds of different people so you have the directors of the whole food service operation they're more of that administration side you've got RDs who are on staff there's always registered dietitians on staff within schools help with that menu so you have them um, you have The array of maybe some of those purchasing people, Um, schools now are becoming more and more friendly to chefs. So they're hiring more chefs. So I saw a huge influx of chefs there this year. And then you do have the staff members that are there every day with the kids that come in um, and get their education. So part of this conference, a huge piece of that is when working within schools, They have to have so much education per year that keeps them stature of knowing all the different things that are going on. And so we get to help provide some of that education. And so they come and they get to be a part of that and get all of that continuing education that they need to stay on staff there. So we get a mix of everybody. So we have to be able to be relevant to the top administration people, like the director who's making all of those key decisions, all the way down to um, the amazing people who are working in the cafeterias, either cooking the food or interacting with the children. So it's a it's a broad range, but it you know I think that's what makes it so much fun. The School Nutrition Association is probably my favorite conference all year. So I love that I get top level and all the way down to the amazing people in the cafeteria. It sounds like a really fun mix. It is. It is. they're you know what they are by far probably the friendliest group I encounter throughout the year, and they their whole heart is in feeding children. And you can just see it ooze off of them at every, you know, every conversation, everything they're doing. So it's just a pleasure to be there. So it's a lot of peopling, like I said, you know, it kind of fills up your cup, right, to know that you're contributing in a positive way.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's very rewarding. Everyone probably is aware how COVID impacted school lunches. And I think we got to see firsthand how important they are. So I'm sure getting to work with those people that are passionate it about it is kind of a special week for you. Let's talk about some of the ways you're also working with schools directly to put beef on menus. What does that look like? Are you providing details on how specifically to buy beef or are you working
1: on recipe creation? Is it some of both? Yeah, it kind of, um, it's a, it's all of those things. There's so many different touch points uh, that we can do in each school and school district is a little bit unique. Kind of come in and we look at it maybe as an overarching goal of something that we do. We developed a resource on how to buy beef. It's a resource on kind of helping the school district forecast uh, their needs for the following year. So, in school world, all of their menu development and stuff is is six months ahead of when things are happening. So in January, they're planning things for the fall when students start. And so we developed a resource to really be able to help them to forecast their needs on purchasing. And so we walk through how to do that more efficiently. So that's one of the resources we develop and really give to them and know that, you know, this is something they're looking at and plays a big piece into that menu development. So we give them stuff like that. Um, A lot of times it's bringing them out to ranches too and, and showing them all the different pieces of the beef industry and how that contributes to a sustainable system and how important cattle are to the food system as a whole. Um, I think that's probably one of my favorite things to do with them and to see them get all excited about that, coming out and kind of telling that story for them. And then some of it's just recipe creations with them. The school lunches that we're familiar with from maybe back in our day is not what students are getting anymore. Um, It really has changed so much. And it's exciting to see, and so some of it is just coming and meeting them and, you know, helping them look at different alternative cuts that are maybe more affordable and easier to cook. And kind of looking at some of those things that students are into, like right now, trending in the school nutrition world is cultural flavors, so it's really looking at all of these different flavors, so uh, Asian flavors. Hispanic flavors, Mexican flavors have really played into that development this year and so some of that's just working with them to find these alternative cuts and recipe development so that we can meet all the regulations and the guidelines that school meals must have while still being affordable and tasty that's going to have kids coming back for more. Approaching each school district to what is it that their needs are um, kind of varies right from a smaller district to let's say like a larger district like LA that's going to look very very different But the core pieces are the education they need. What are, maybe can we answer some of those questions that their parent board has or the school administration has about beef so that they feel good about keeping beef as the center of the plate and a part of that conversation no matter what.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of variables to work through. I'm sure you mentioned it It varies by county, (laughs) but I'm sure even do the budgets vary much by school districts as well. It does.
1: Budget's very, very, depending on you know the school district, right? You have smaller districts, everything they're, they're looking at is they're looking at the previous year. So who, however many meals were reimbursed from the last year, it's kind of what they dictate for the upcoming year. And the beautiful thing about California is that they have passed universal free meals for all, so that all meals, no matter what or where you're at, is a free lunch meal. So breakfast, lunch, snacks, or supper, if the schools offer those, are all available to California students for free. So that's a huge thing here in California because it allows the school to know that they're getting that money for reimbursement. And so they've seen an uptick in kids buying lunch because, you know, parents now know that they can go to school and they don't have to worry about funds for those type of things. So it kind of varies from district to district, right? Obviously kind of like the last example, somewhere in a smaller district, you're going to look at something different versus a larger district. But it also comes down to the capacity to cook those. Somewhere like LA is going to be very, very different and making sure like budget-wise, like how do you feed that many kids in that many different schools versus maybe a school district that only has three schools in it. There's so many different things on the nutrition front that you have to think about in the school world. And so that's kind of where I come in and I get to help them think through all those different areas and thought processes of how can this be beneficial for everybody.
0: Tell us a little bit about your work with the San Diego Unified School District. You had mentioned to me before we started recording um, that you got to help develop a recipe for them. So let's hear about that.
1: Um that was one of my favorite things to do. So Sandy Unified School District is the second largest school district here in California and we worked with their director Fred and their chef Juan. Special place in my heart for Chef Juan. So we worked together with them, kind of showed them some different cuts within the beef world and then we we put our heads together and thought of some creative ways that we could cook this beef in an efficient manner. And so I went down, spent a couple of days with them, looked at their schools, looked at some of the programming they had going on. And we came up with this overnight roasted bur I'm going to butcher this barilla, Um, beef. It was great. And so we were able to take that and make it, you know, hit all those marks where we're thinking about efficiency, like how can we do this and make it easy and affordable and then meet all the nutrient guidelines and regulations that are required for schools and really hit on that like cultural trending flavor development and show them stuff like that. I mean, it was just awesome to spend time getting to know those who are in the school district and feeding kids. And then both of us, you know, both, you know, in the school and then me on the outside, collectively working together to ensure that kids get beef, right? Um, and still have this warm, delicious meal that they enjoy and that they wanna continue to come back for. So we got to develop the recipe, test it out with them, um, get their feedback, kind of go back to the drawing table and and it came out super successful. Um, I'm excited to, you know, look for another school district in this upcoming year and again, partner with them and see what else we can develop.
0: Yeah, it looked delicious too. It did look, not that my food at, growing up wasn't delicious, but we did not get tacos like that growing up. It
1: All looks right. delicious.
0: <laughs> I'll post the photo Corey sent me in the podcast description perfect, yeah, so everyone perfect. can see it. It did look like a fun project and definitely different than like the pizza and chicken nugget days yeah. I had growing up. Yeah.
1: We try to, so I, was, you know, I think all of us, we just try to kind of collectively think of like, what would we want if we were going back to school? And I think that always just hits the mark and, you know, look up Chef Juan on LinkedIn if you guys are on LinkedIn. Um, he shares a ton of his stuff like that. He's amazing and it's just a pleasure to be able to work with these kind of people um, and hit that and know that the students are happy and enjoying that kind of food that we're putting out.
0: Transitioning a little bit from talking about specific work that you've done I wanted to talk how has the California Beef Council expanded this work in the school nutrition zone over the last few years? Maybe this has always been happening, but just from my time at CCA, it seems like Beef Council is doing new things that maybe haven't happened in the last couple of years. How has that expanded recently?
1: We actually haven't been in this space. Um, I'm the one that kind of ventured and brought us there. Um, it's something you know that's always been there, but I think it's kind of hard to define. Like, how does beef fit into a school um, nutrition kind of piece? And so, I've had the pleasure of kind of navigating that um, and really bringing us through that. Uh, I will tell you, there is a space for us and a very wanted space for us there. From Those who are in the schools looking for that kind of information. So it's really exciting to be able to kind of develop that program and really lean into those conversations and being a part of those things. We have a big movement here in California about farm to schools. And so that was just a perfect fit for us. To be able to tell the story of how beef ends up on a plate, uh, to talk about the nutritional qualities, highlight the 10 essential nutrients and talk about those nutritional gaps that students usually have and how beef can kind of increase that. I've been the kind of driving force on that while different states and the checkoff have been a part of it, I think, here in California where the driving big piece of kind of being a part of that conversation. I've really expanded it over the years, and I've grown it into kind of what you see now. And I am pleased by all means to know that every year that I show up, uh, people are excited to see us, and they remember us from the year before, and they still have questions, and they still want us there, and we're still very relevant, uh, which I love.
0: That's great. I mean, if I was a producer, I would love to hear that beef is still relevant and people are excited to see the California Beef Council there.
1: Oh, yes, they love it. I think people are afraid that maybe there's a bunch of meat alternatives, you know, ending up on students' plate. And I think it's important to be aware that it's there. But I think it's also important if I could give producers one little nugget of information about this, that beef is still very relevant in schools. And we get to help be a part of that conversation so that we can continue to be relevant in schools.
0: Yes, that was a great little nugget. Kind of already touched on that one of the projects we were mentioning was one of your favorites this year, but what else has been some of your favorite work to do this year or maybe more rewarding than others? What have you really liked working on in the past year?
1: So I think there's so many great things that I do and I love, I just absolutely love what I get to do on that nutrition education front. But I know we're talking school nutrition, but I will have to say my heart always falls to school nutrition and contributing positively to feeding children. I really love that. Some of the work with the Culinary Institute of America and our Healthy Kids Collaborative has been amazing just to interact with all the people. School Nutrition Association is always my favorite conference. Boils down to the fact that I, like I said, I just being a part of a, a conversation that's needed, right? So we know that... Students are getting, when you look at the data, they're getting one of the healthiest meals they get is at school. But we also know that some of them, it is the only meal they're getting. And to know that I'm contributing to feeding California children and I'm helping to tell the stories of farmers and ranchers on their behalf and how important cattle is to the system just kind of clicks a lot of things for me that fill me up and make me happy. I hope to be able to continue to stay in this space and continue to do these really cool things and be a part of those conversations and recipe development and in the schools where I get to see the kids try these beef meals and just light up, right? There's a reason why a hamburger is like one of the number one meals chosen at school. And I now get to kind of help create that and be a part of those things. So I love it to death.
0: It would be hard not to like when you're passionate about nutrition and getting to work with like you said, be farmers and ranchers in California.
1: Yeah, um, it sounds yeah. like you have I mean, a lot of good going story. for you. It is. It's great. It's it's good. We know it's always busy over here in the nutrition world at uh, the Beef Council, but I mean. I love it. I love working on behalf of beef farmers and ranchers and being able to tell that story for them Um, and really translate the science of nutrition to be able to provide people with feeling empowered about their decisions on food and letting them know that beef does fit into a healthy and wholesome diet. I get to do that on a regular basis and it's pretty fun.
0: Before we wrap up, are there any other projects or efforts you want to highlight that we didn't really get to touch on in the school nutrition space or any other reasons why you think producers should just be proud of their dollars going towards this?
1: Yeah. Oh, there's so many great things that are happening, you know, in the nutrition space. I'm excited for what's to come in 2024 and some of those things that we're able to do. There's one thing I say that their dollars are going towards amazing things to be able to put forth this type of education so that that younger generation is really looking at beef um, in a positive light and growing up with that and really learning where their food comes from is really the core of what you know the checkoff in my position is doing here that's the fun thing there's so many great things i would love to highlight but i think you know i'm just going to leave it as like make sure you stay in contact or you know watch our newsletters and see what we're doing for the next year but farm to school is a very big initiative out here Um, the conversation around farm to table is huge and i've got some fun and exciting things planned for the next year
0: yay i can't wait to hear about them If you don't already subscribe to the Beef Council's newsletter, it's great. I'll actually post a link to subscribe to that in our podcast show notes as well. So you can click on that and get connected. But I think you're right, Corey. I think producers should feel good about also their role in contributing to what's getting on students' plates. It's healthy. It's delicious. And it's great to know that the kids love it. Glad we could end on a positive note here. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, Corey. I'm glad that we made it happen. And I'm sure in 2024 or beyond, we'll be chatting with you again.
1: Yes, thank you again for having me, um, and have a wonderful holiday season.
0: Thank you, Corey. To our listeners, I hope I'll see you this week in Reno for CCA and CCW's annual convention. Hopefully see you there too, Corey. If you're listening the day this episode comes out, it's not too late if you haven't registered. We do have on-site registration, so just show up, register there, and we'll be happy to see you. If not, and regardless of convention, we'll be back in two weeks with what I can't believe will be our final episode of this season, to provide an outlook on the market and look ahead to 2024, Cattle Facts analyst Patrick Linnell is going to be joining me. And it will be his first time on the podcast as well. So be sure to subscribe to get notified. Check out that newsletter and our show links. And as always, thanks for listening to Sporting Pin.